You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange, the podcast of me, Sarah Raven, and my mate, Arthur Parkinson. Today, we're going to do something that we've done a few times before, which is go through both of our passionate individual favourites in the range that we currently have available, so in our spring season. And we're flicking through the catalogue, but obviously it's a kind of mainly online range anyway. But to really highlight what we feel are the totally exceptional, outstanding things and why. So over to you, Arthur, your first number one. Well, obviously, I'm probably biased for my first choice, but it's one of our daily collections. It's the Arthur's Doorstep Collection. Yeah, um, good choice. And it, it honestly would be my four desert island tubers. They're just all of them packed full of nectar. The foliage, particularly of Bishop of Auckland and Watson Matilda, are very dark and rich. Totally tangerine, one of the most floriferous dahlias that we've ever grown. And then you've got Solman, which is the largest of this collection. So I'd grow this collection in a big tin bath. I'm going to grow it this year. We'll have Solman in the middle and then all the others eclipsing it because Solman's the largest. And I'm going to plant it with Panicum Sparkling Fountain. Mm. And that'll be that. And I know that it will start to flower. If I pot them all up in March, the first one to flower will be totally tangerine. Ideally from probably the second week of June, I'd expect buds to be on that. And then that will flower right until the first hard frost. And as I've said, they're all really brilliant for pollinators. So that's my favourite collection. But across from that is a collection that I'd probably combine with it actually, or have in a large pot echoing it as its neighbour. It's the Persian Carpet Daily Collection that you put together last year. It's got two favourites from the doorstep collection, Totally Tangerine and Watson with Tilda. But then excitingly, it's got three of our exclusive daily collections. Mm. Sarah Raven, which is, you know, like a j- jammy dodger. I love it for that. Mm. Uh, Lou Farman, which is just the most beautiful butterfly, quite tall, uh, very floaty. And then Josie, which is like Totally Tangerine, but a bit more, a bit more marmalady. Mm. And they're just very, very happy flowers. Again, all Persian carpet. It'll mix perfect with the Arthur Doorstep collection. So I'm ordering both of those this mm. spring. Nice, nice, nice. What are you going for? Well, I'm not going to talk about collections because you've done that. And um, we only have limited time, but I'm going to highlight three individual dahlias. And the first is actually one that we've sold for over 10 years, I think, which is Labyrinth. Mm. And I don't know, I just found this summer, it was the one that I was drawn back to again. And I love that where you go full circle. I mean, I absolutely passionately loved it. I don't know, eight, nine years ago, I remember spotting it in a field with a couple of friends, Dickie Skipper and Kareen von Boxtel. And I've loved it since, but really last summer I, I completely came around to it passionately. And actually a new one that we trialled called Red Labyrinth. And the reason I love both is that they've got this beautiful curl to the petal. So some people criticise dahlias for being a bit static and plastic looking, but they couldn't be less like that because each petal is curved in a different direction in two or three dimensions, you know. And so it curves at the tip and curves at the side and each one, as I say, in a different direction. And they're just absolutely stunning on Labyrinth. I love it. 
And then I can't not mention Lou Farman, which you've already mentioned, which is named after my business partner, who I've worked with now for 20 years. And it's just the most beautiful dahlia. She spotted it where we were visiting one of the breeders out of hundreds, actually. And um, it just looked like huge, beautiful butterflies in the field. It's like Waltzing Matilda, but darker red. And it's just got the most beautiful flower form, colour and shape. Tall, narrow, beautiful, elegant stems. It's a cracker. Mm. And I can't move off dahlias before mentioning Molly Nicholson, named after my youngest child. And it's just, again, just a really cracking dahlia. Got a very good vase life. That's a double, unlike the others we've talked about. Well, labyrinth, actually, is also a double. But it, it reminds me of Venetian marbled paper. It's got beautiful sort of stippling and, and colouring of a wash of sort of crimson over a slightly smoky pink. It's absolutely stunning. Not too big, so it can be grown in a pot. And as I say, also very good for picking. So every year it changes my favourite dahlia, but certainly those three are ones that I'm going to be going to with gusto. Of course, I don't need to buy new ones because they're completely perennial and they will already be in my garden, mulched and waiting to come up in April. So apart from dahlias, what else? Well, to help you grow all these gorgeous dahlias that we've just described with such love, our dahlia kit page, I think, is just fantastic. I would have the liquid seaweed for feeding. And also what I bought my mum last year was this lovely bag of, I love its name, Slugger Go-Go, which um, it's a soil enhancer, but it's made from seaweed and it smells so beautiful and looks nice. And I think that's really important, particularly with pots. I used to use wool pellets, which are, are good, but they don't look very nice. Whereas this, it almost looks like some kind of soil moisturiser. Um, so yeah. I really love it. And if you can't forage your own staking material and don't want to use bamboo canes, the Willow Flower Stakes uh, set of Trenti, they're kiln dried, so they're not going to root really strong and they'll they'll give you a good couple of years service and they'll stake anything tall, which is really essential for your dahlias. If they're not staked and we have a windy summer, they will be ruined. So mm. do stake your dahlias. They're really good and practical things. Great. Well, I'm not going practical at all. I'm going for another flower. <laughs> which is Acidanthra. And Acidanthra murali, what a beautiful thing. The Ethiopian lily, a really nice, very gentle, slightly lemony scent. It's the wild cousin of the gladiolus, one of them. And I just love it. It's pure white flowers with this beautiful crimson purpley centre to the heart of each one. Fantastic in containers. I do a double layer in a lasagna, so you really cram them in. And they've got elegant crocosmia-like foliage before the flower so that they really hold their own from very early in the year. We plant them in May. They'll be sprouting very quickly and up and green in June and July and then flower August, September, sometimes into October. And um, they're one of the bulbs, though, that aren't hardy, so you do need to lift them and store them or buy new, you know, if you want. But we tend to lift and store ours to save money. And uh, yeah, I totally adore those. And just before I move back to you, I was reminded by a conversation on the phone with a friend yesterday who's got their garden open and they've got a greenhouse and, and they were saying what lily should they plant to walk in and just get hit by that wall of incredible lily fragrance. And I was just reminded of Lilium regali. There is almost no better plant. And of course, if you can grow them, semi-inside, like in a conservatory or a greenhouse, 
or a sunny porch, you won't get any of the lily beetle. So it actually made me think that's what I want to put in loads of our pots and maybe even in the beds around and between the tomatoes in the summer greenhouse at Perch Hill this year. So not only am I going to get that incredible fragrance of tomatoes when you're pinching out the auxiliary buds, but also I'm going to get Lilium Regali fragrance. Wow, what a, Gosh, what a good idea that is. Wonderful. Yeah, go for that. <laughs> Over to you. I'm going to try to go back to what my mum always used to do, which was she used to have these wicker, quite deep triangle hanging baskets. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, not done hanging baskets for so long. Yeah. And um, it's something you did, actually. So it's a complete copy of what you used to do under the balcony on the Oast Garden. But I'm going to plant into it rhodochytron. Yeah. Because I think they'll like semi-shade, I yeah. hope anyway. And I just think they'll look so exotic and fun under our little um, stained glass old door conservatory thing that we've got at the back of our house. Um, Lovely. So I'm looking forward to them. And they're quite tricky to germinate, so they are worth, I think, getting in as plugs. Yeah, seedlings, yeah. 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 Well, while you mentioned those, I'd actually marked the Tumbergia African sunset. And I think on a teepee in a pot, Mm. large pot, there is kind of nothing nicer because, okay, it's mainly green through sort of May, June, even into July. But by the middle of July, you'll start getting flowers between the rhodochyton and the acerina. And they will honestly go on looking good until your first hard frost. And so with us, really, really, we've got colour and beauty and lusciousness right through to the end of November, normally at Perch Hill in a sheltered spot. So that would be my next passionate recommendation. And we did them a few years ago, that pairing, but certainly this year, I'm, I'm going to revert to that pairing again in the Dutch yard because I think they're hard to beat, really, those two. Over to you. For a really beautiful, humble, first-year flowering perennial, Angelica Gygas. I think that's how, how do you yep. pronounce this? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. It's such a beautiful, glamorous thing. Have it in a pot on its own, cold bucket size. It'll be very happy. Sun will like sun. And the bees particularly adore the flowers. So it's a wonderful thing to have amongst your pots of dahlias. And also on the neighbouring page, I just love seeing all these salvias, quite new ones, all together. Uh, wine and roses, love and wishes, embers wish. Mm, um, you the know, salvias, yeah. Semi-shade, alleyway, they'll be really happy. And if you don't cut them back, sheltered place, London garden, microclimate, they are perennial and they just look absolutely beautiful. Flower well into the winter, to be honest. Mm. So excellent value for money. Yeah, really good. For containers, oh gosh, I mean... The world's your oyster. I mean, I already mentioned Acidanthra, but I mean, there's just so many, it's a bit overwhelming. So I just thought I would highlight a new discovery for me, completely new. And it's the Bidens family. And we had one called, I think it's called Hot and Spicy. And it's just the most amazing plant because it's sort of terracotta red on the outside and then a more sort of crimson at the centre. And Nick Bailey, the wonderful presenter of Gardener's World, came to do a day's teaching at Perch Hill when we were in sort of COVID central, really, in November last year. And it was a pretty gloomy old day. It was cold. Everyone had to eat in the marquee because of social distancing and needing the air circulation. It was a pretty tough day. But the thing that I remember just sort of beaming out its sunshine on this pretty cold, miserable autumn day was Biden's Hot and Spicy. <laughs> and I remember Nick remarking on it and taking a photo. And last summer, 
we had it planted with the basil African blue. And wow, oh, wow, that was just such a combination and really did look good for, I would say, four, even five, possibly even six months, to be honest. Really, really good new combination for a pot, which I'm going to play around with a lot this year. Mm, Beautiful. I'm going to stick with pots, but you might be surprised by my choice for the next one. I'm going to get myself, I think, a pair of blueberries, North Country. Oh, you're going on the edibles. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, the photo looks very nice. It looks burning with fruit and beautiful autumn foliage. Yeah. Um, so I think they'll they'll suit, you know, being amongst the dailies and things. Well, they will, but you know they need ericaceous soil. Yeah, yes. You know that. So they'll have to be in their own pots for quite some time. But yeah, shrubs, so structure for the winter garden too. Yeah. Yeah, it was you, in fact, who's got me in. We've got a new trial going now with um, winter stem cornice. Yeah, I'm excited about them. Yeah, Yeah. so um, we were just discussing where they're going to go. Three are going to go in a pot and three are going to go in the new border that's replaced the farmhouse garden, which the pallet I couldn't get on with. fantastic. Yeah. So I'm going to stick with edibles and I'm going to just talk really quickly about a forcing potato trial that we did last summer. And I think I've already mentioned this in a previous podcast, so I'm just going to do this very quickly. But basically, we planted empty compost bags at exactly this time of year, so in March. And we put one tuber in one and two tubers in the next, and we compared them. And the amazing thing is the one tuber in a 10 out of 12 varieties or 9 out of 12 varieties gave us more potatoes in the end than the two, which was interesting because of competition. But without doubt, the favourite variety by far that came tip-top was Anya. And Mm. um, I'm really looking forward to planting lots and lots and lots of Anya this year. Your final thing, maybe, Arthur? Well, you probably wouldn't say I'm cooking, but at least it is still a little bit edible. Um, Lemon verbena. Oh, yeah. You you got me onto it. And I always always take a bunch from Perch Hill because it does grow better in your part of the world than it does mine. Um, It means I don't have to massacre my little young plants. But they're fantastic for pots and the smell of them is just beautiful. And it is a very invigorating tea. So I can't have too much of that. And it's it goes with any colour palette, really, in the garden. So it's a helpful foliage. Yeah, lovely. OK, well, my final would be tomatoes. There's a funny thing going on with tomatoes at the moment, which is really sad, which is that since Brexit, there's more stringent testing of seed as it comes in through the ports. Mm. And what we're finding is really quite a lot of our tomato, chili and pepper seed is actually being destroyed before it gets into the country because of the anxiety about potential disease contamination in the seed. And it's become incredibly, perhaps even over stringent in the control coming in. So we're finding it really, really difficult to get hold of tomato seed for both our seedlings and to sell in our seed range. But good old Sun Gold and Black Russian, which are my two favourite tomatoes anyway, one is incredibly sweet, like a sugar burst, which is Sun Gold, and the other, Black Russian, is just wonderful sliced for a salad. It's just the most incredibly tasty, really intense tomato-y tomato. And luckily, we can still get those. So at the moment, those are still available and they are tippy tip top. They would be my desert island or take to the moon. You've got that lovely little one as well, micro cherry, which looks incredible and is still life in the vase. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. I might be tempted by that. Yeah. Good. So that's a, a very quick 
sort of romp through what we both feel are the things that we can't avoid being tempted by from the range that's currently available online. So I hope that gives you some ideas and some inspiration. Thanks very much for listening. And one of my resolutions for the spring is that I'm going to remember to give you a recipe tip as often as I possibly can at the end of the podcast. And something that I cooked last night, which I thought would be really suitable, is a really simple but lovely warming perfect thing for spring and autumn, I think, which is a squid, perhaps some chorizo and perhaps even little baby potato stew. But if not, it could just be with tomato. I had it last night and I did have some pig for apple potatoes. And so I just griddled the squid to give it a bit of extra flavour and then chopped it up in really intense tomato sauce with some fried chorizo for a bit of spice And then I put in the potatoes and continued to cook it for another half hour or so, well, 20 minutes or so until the potatoes were soft. And then right at the end, I added loads and loads of cavolo nero or red Russian kale, which I'd taken off the stem. And then right at the end, as it was coming off the heat, I added in lots of flat leaf parsley, giant of Napoli. And I can't recommend it more strongly. Incredibly easy wonderful actually for cooking in big batches and you can shove some in the freezer. Unbelievably warming and uh, nutritious. So a, a really lovely dish for this time of year. And the recipe will be on the podcast notes. Thanks so much for listening. And next week, I'm not here, in fact, uh, I'm going to be listening. So Arthur is interviewing a really wonderful florist. He came across on Instagram and has since met called Tatty Rose Flowers and he's going to be chatting to her about her style and the plants that she loves as she's starting off with a new season. So see you then. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahoven.com.